Got time for a quick story. I am a political junkie. And a lot of it is not necessarily the ideology, but rather the structure of politics. Like I'm one of those data geeks. I love looking up historical election information and trends and all of that sort of stuff. And again, gets out of the who's right, who's wrong. It's more what happened. That's really fascinating to me. And in 2006, following along what's going to be happening in the midterm election that year, obviously me being a political junkie. And I noticed there was one particular race happening in New York, in the state of New York, outside of New York City, in the state of New York. At the time, I was doing the afternoon drive shift on I-94, sister station of Greatest Hits 98.1, where I I currently work, in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And one of the DJs, her name is Sue Kelly. She did the morning show at the time. She's still on I-94 to this day. Well, Sue Kelly also is the name of a congresswoman from New York, challenging her in that election in 2006 was John Hall. It's in the band Orleans. John Hall ultimately won that race that uh, that November and was elected to Congress, served a couple terms. And at the time, I-94 radio here in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, was occasionally playing an Orleans song. I couldn't help but be struck by the, the small-worldness of a, a guy from the band Orleans that we occasionally play on I-94 defeated a congresswoman, Sue Kelly, that shares the same name as one of the main DJs on I-94. Many years later, John Hall, back in his music career, has a new album coming out. And it has the title has to do with, well, in part, time in Congress. It's called Reclaiming My Time. And I get the chance to talk to John Hall about this solo album which cool. is great the album is coming out really soon in fact this, yeah the 28th uh, which is a couple weeks away yeah actually it's, less than two weeks it's about a week and a half or something oh boy where's my calendar it's, it's only a week and a couple of days what is it yeah it's like a week it's a week from friday i believe yeah nine days from now so yeah, yeah. it's it's coming up pretty soon here reclaiming yeah. my time and i'm I'm kind of a political junkie, so as soon as I saw that, I immediately went, okay, yeah, that's from the time of the House of Representatives, or at least your political career overall. Um, clever title on that. I understand this has to do with with getting to the stuff you weren't really able to do when you were serving in high-level of government service and politics. Or, or low-level elected <laughs> office, yeah. either. You know? um, but, yeah, I just, um, you know, the, the term on the floor of the Congress is used when one is interrupted, uh, if somebody pipes up when I'm in the middle of speaking and I say, well, you know, and wants to comment, I say, I'll recognize the gentleman from Iowa and he'll speak until I want to take my time back to finish what I was going to say. And then I would say, reclaiming my time, I'll continue that, you know, to say this. So uh, it's also reclaiming the time that the songs and the recordings and the music I would have made uh, during those years. And, and also it's, I think it's, something that we're all kind of going through now we're kind of trying to reclaim the year and a couple months that we lost um to the pandemic uh, i certainly am and orleans is and and uh, and a lot of people are feeling that sense of of loss and needing needing to i mean we'll never get those days and months back but we can try to capture the things uh that we uh, that we were unable to do during that time yeah 
Um, I understand there are, did I read right, there are three of the songs on the album that are what, either remixed or or, or something that, that they're from prior projects. Which songs are those? Oh, the song Lessons, I Needed to, to Learn Patience, I Wound Up in a Traffic Jam. Uh, <laughs> that's the first verse lyric. Uh, that was on an earlier record of mine that came out on my little vanity record label and never got much distribution or promotion. Um, and Isla Murata was also on a record uh, that I made uh, back in 2005 that was all about um, uh, sailing and oceans and islands and uh, maritime stuff. And um, and Isla Murata being one of the Florida Keys. And uh, another sunset, which Steve Warner and I wrote together, and he uh, uh, sang a duet with me on it. And uh, that also was on that 2005 record. But these versions are remixed and remastered and, and, uh, and I think uh, stronger than than the originals. And I just thought they should have another shot at, at people hearing them. What uh, what got you thinking about this, the new songs? Uh, when like when did the, the songwriting begin for the, the rest of the batch, the, the new material for Reclaiming My Time? Um, a year and a half ago, my buddy, uh, John Paul Daniel, who co-wrote about half the, uh, half the record with me or so, maybe a little more than that, uh, lost his wife to... Uh, to cancer and uh, I've known them both for 35 years and uh, the day after the evening after her funeral uh, we wrote that song uh, the song Mystic Blue I'm sorry Mystic Blue which is uh, the uh, fourth song I believe on the record um, is um, or the third song I'm sorry I don't have the sequence firmly embedded in my <laughs> mind yet but um, but you know that song is about you know uh, that that kind of loss and that kind of grief and um and it's uh we started writing then and we just didn't stop we just kept writing up until up until now and so the, the songs that are not among those three older songs are all written between october of 2019 and and now mm. um another co-write with him and tad richards is the first video uh, as well alone too long yeah. um what was a true life story that inspired that particular storyline in there? I mean, yeah, the, the lyrics know, are very evident. My my best friend, uh, John Paul, said, uh, you know, after six or eight months or something had gone by after his wife passed, uh, he asked some other buddy of his uh, when it was okay to start dating. And the guy said, don't stay alone too long. You might start to like it. And I said, that's a song. That's got to be a song. And uh, and he was unable to work on it with me, I think, because it was too close to home. And so my friend Tad Richards, fabulous lyricist and sculptor and painter, uh, multi-talented, creative guy from Woodstock, New York, uh, helped write the lyrics to it. And uh, it's uh, we, we started it before the pandemic. But then after everybody was locked down, including us, you know, the, the part of the song is about isolation and and grief and loss is, you know, took on another meaning. And, and uh, we completed it after we were all locked down and recorded it, you know, uh, in different places. The sax players up in the Woodstock area in New York, uh, the, uh, the drummer and bass player and uh, other folks down here in Nashville, where I am right now. Um, it's been um, interesting. We did this with Orleans also, uh, making 
uh, some new songs and records uh, in isolation. It's, as long as you have a good mix engineer and a good video uh, editor, you can do all that. You know, the video for Alone Too Long is also done with people in different places. So it seems like we're all playing and singing together. And, and some of us were, but, but mostly it was in isolation. What I found particularly interesting about the Alone Too Long video, it it's it seems like like the next evolution of the pandemic era videos, which are probably going to start to go away now that people will hopefully be able to start actually shooting on set, depending on where they're at. But I remember some of the early ones, you know, it, mad props for everyone to trying, but you could tell sometimes like, OK, we're just going to set up a camera here and this is going to be a bad shot, but we got to get a video out. And this is like April or May of last yeah. year with this one. It's the, I mean, it's the same person here, person here, but it almost looked like it was shot with the same camera, with the same setup. It almost looked like it was intentional. And if I had no idea there was a pandemic, I might have thought, well, that's an interesting take on it. And especially I noticed it looked like there was portrait mode used or something like that because the, the visual effect was really stark, especially in your setting. Yeah, well, thanks. You know, it's um, uh, the guy who directed the video and, and shot major parts of it. Um Rob Arthur is a keyboard player who's played with Peter Frampton for ages and uh, had done website work and, and videos for Peter. And in the pandemic, he wound up discovering that his video capabilities are, are in extreme demand. And he's been making videos of the Doobie Brothers in isolation, doing Listen to the Music and Blackwater. And he did a bit in one of uh, uh, the Doobies with Peter Frampton and, and uh, Mike McDonald and all these other folks. Uh, doing uh, Let It Rain, I think it was, Frampton's song, and, and uh, you know, Mick Fleetwood, and it's, everybody shot in different places, but he manages to make it um, look like it's uh, it's all of a piece. Uh, so, yeah, he, uh, Rob shot uh, me um, and uh, Andre Zahn and, uh, and the drummer, Kenny Chesney, who plays with, with uh, I mean, sorry, drum, Kenny Chesney's, Chesney's drummer, Sean Paddock is the name of the guy who's in video, obviously. And Kenny doesn't play drums that I know of. But, uh, <laughs> well, he, he probably does. He seems to play a lot of instruments. But anyway, so yeah, so Sean Paddock was playing um, in the video and John Paul Daniel, the bass player and co-writer of the song. And uh, it just wound up, uh, and and uh, Jay Collins, this wonderful sax player from up in Woodstock, New York, had his girlfriend record him, I think. And and um, you can do this stuff. There are a couple programs that will turn an iPhone into uh, a pretty high-quality video camera. And uh, so the things that weren't shot in a professional camera were shot that way. It's all um, a miracle. I mean, the, the technology, the fact that we're able to talk like this on Zoom, everything has sort of sped up uh, because of the need that the pandemic presented. And uh, I remember talking to the guy that manages Orleans about this and saying, you know, the sound on Zoom is so terrible. You can't sing or really even chant or talk in time with each other because of the time lag, the, the latency. And and he said, well, don't worry. In a year, somebody will figure that out because everybody's going to be looking for it. Mm -hmm. And it may turn out just as people now with, used to working from home, a lot of people are going to continue working from home, depending on what kind of job they have. And uh, not, you know, having to deal with rush hour traffic and all that. But uh, but also, I think that a lot of musicians uh, will be able to do sessions, recording sessions, overdubbing things 
for each other. And, and it's not the same as playing in a room together, but for sure, you know, I'd much rather play in the same room as other people and sing with them in person, but it is a tool that's, that's useful. Well, and as you're recording on, again, you're talking about doing it distance wise and the, the, everything remote, what point did you realize you had enough material to say, all right, we, we got an album here and syncing all that between writing the few co-writes, writing in your own, and then sending stuff out. At what point did you go, all right, we got enough here. Album is ready. I mean, we're not talking about the logistics, but you go, okay, I got a complete package. When did you realize it was essentially good uh, to go? I started talking about the title, Reclaiming My Time, last um, summer or fall, you know, and it's not that many musicians have a chance to use that title and, and have it mean what it does to me. And and uh, I guess Sonny, Sonny Bono could have done it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's... Um, uh, we had more material than needed. I probably passed over about another half dozen songs that will appear somewhere, but not, that didn't seem like they went with this batch as well as uh, uh, one of them is going to be on the Orleans record that we're putting out uh, early next year. We're working on a Christmas record, Orleans record uh, now, which will be out in the fall. And then uh, we're partway done with our 50th anniversary record. It's hard to believe that the first show that, uh, that we did under the name Orleans was in January of 1972. But, uh, but that's, that's when it happened. And so, uh, time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. There's a, there's a, yeah, no, we'll get to Orleans more, but yeah. Are you same sort of activity right now with Orleans in terms of remote still doing the kind do you have kind of the rhythm down of how to do everything remotely or are you anticipating at some point getting back together again? We do. Well, Lance Hoppen, the other remaining original member of the band, uh, along with me, uh, and I and our drummer, Brady Spencer, recorded two tracks yesterday all together in the same studio, uh, and that was really nice. The other guys, you know, one of the other guitar players, uh, Fly Amaro, lives up in uh, Gloucester, Massachusetts, and Lane Hoppen, Larry and Lance's younger brother, who sings uh, with that family harmony sound that, uh, that they all have, uh, he lives in... Orlando, and he's playing keyboard and and uh, singing on the record. So those two guys have been doing it remotely so far. Uh, we're going to get back together all together in the same rehearsal studio in early June, and then go out and do uh, shows uh, every weekend in June. So we're we're starting to get back on the road. Very nice. Um, I was listening to a podcast you'd done a few months ago, and you were talking about the genesis of World on Fire from. Year and a half ago, it seems like forever ago that the Australian wildfires were happening. My gosh, so much has happened in the last year and a half. But, right. but that being the origin for that, and another, I guess, timely piece, save the monarch. Well, I mean, you got tie that right into climate change and such. At least that's the impression I got as a listener. And I do find myself anytime I see a monarch butterfly. Well, for one, I'm like monarch. I just love those things. But then I always think, well, good. At least we got another one around here up here in Wisconsin. I, like, well, they made one. it right. Thank gosh. Um, you're the gen describe the 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 origins of both of those songs in particular and their connection well, to now world on fire was started back when um and i think mostly written back when it was the australian brush fires in early 2020 uh that were the koalas and the kangaroos and everything were in deep trouble uh, along with people too and uh and all kinds of other uh, species and then uh we were recording it when the, the wildfires out west in California and the other mountain states 
were in the Northwest were were blazing. And um, you know, it's interesting. We just uh, I just read that uh, California now has the Shasta. I think it's Shasta fire. There's a there's one that just sprang up. That's earlier than they usually have wildfires in California. Mm. And um, the first one of what is predicted to be a another bad season for mm. fires out there. And and um, so, you know, I was brought up uh, in, a, in a pretty devout Catholic family. My mom has a, had a master's in divinity. My little brother Jerry's a priest. And and uh, I was an altar boy and played organ in church and all that when I was young. And, and um, but one of the things that we learned uh, was that we're called to be good students of good stewards uh, that is of the earth and um, and so I've just always had the feeling that then one of the responsibilities that human beings have here is to safeguard not just our species but other uh, others and and there's so many now that are at risk and I, I thought about writing this song so it would initially seem like God saved the queen <laughs> it's a uh, there's a play on that uh, idea, except that save the monarch, the monarch butterflies, save the king, King Condor, watch him rise, mm. you know, uh, save the queen, the queen of the honeybees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dar Williams and I sing a duet on it. Dar uh, lives close to where uh, I have lived up in uh, LaGrange, New York, most recently, but the whole Woodstock, Mid-Hudson Valley of New York um, is uh, where I've lived most of my adult life. And uh, and she lives in the Hudson Valley as well. And, and we've been at a number of, well, concerts, but also um, environmental benefits that we've done. Uh, um, and I asked her to sing on this with me. And uh, uh, you're probably aware of Dar's work. I mean, she's a highly acclaimed singer-songwriter, mainly in the folk world. Uh, but so, you know, it's uh, she's really terrific to work with. And she got, she got it. She got this song. And, and uh so that's one um that i think it's got i mean so people have been commenting on that song that's the most people haven't heard the whole record yet so um uh so people are obviously sort of con- commenting on the single alone too long but but save the monarch is one of the ones that's uh that's getting attention you know already and and i think uh, world on fire probably will as well but the, the one that's kind of, um, it, it's interesting to me and, and uh, has really popped up is Lessons as a song that people are identifying with. And, and I guess, you know, the music is pretty, uh, is pretty strong. That record um, is one that I put out on a record uh, in the 90s, that late 90s, that came out in Japan only. It's never been released in the rest of the world, including the United States. So this is the first time it's been available here and that also is remixed and remastered mm-hmm. and um but it starts out with that you know i needed to learn patience i wound up in a traffic jam learned to handle money as it slipped right through my hands and uh, the chorus is if you ain't hurting you ain't learning i'll be a genius before long <laughs> and uh, i think it's my guitar playing and slide guitar playing at its best it's uh, I, I don't like to review myself but uh, but that's one where I think the guitar playing is uh, is is where I want it to be. And one of the co-writers on that song, Joanna Hall, and is noted in the the press release that came out. It's been a quarter century uh, since you. Oh, that's uh, on the song uh, "Now More Than Ever." Uh, now, uh, now that's more in, than ever. Yeah, 
Right. Lessons was uh, Jonelle, Jonelle Mosser and Johanna and I. And that's a collaboration. The three of us have written a lot of songs together, a lot of really good songs. And actually, the last project I had out was that came out right before the lockdown. I think it came out in February, and we were starting to promote it to radio um, when everybody got locked down and a lot of the radio personalities and hosts and programmers were not at the station. They were getting stuff at home and doing broadcasting from home. So um, it ran into a problem because of that. It still got played on 143 radio stations around the country, I think was the peak. And uh, Jonelle Mosser and John Hall, Little Black Dress is the name of the record, and uh, recorded live at the Bearsville Theater, you know, back, you know, a couple decades ago. And somebody had a tape in the back of a drawer and Johanna found it and they had it digitized and turned into the CD, which uh, um, was surprisingly, I mean, once it was digitized and mastered, it was uh, much higher quality than you would expect a, an old CD to be. So, um, so that was the most recent record that I was associated with before this one. With the um, uh, sort of the, the list of the songwriters, Joanna, uh, John Paul, others, what are what do you find works best with collaborating with a particular songwriter? Is there is there any sort of thread understanding that different writers usually will have different approaches, or is there a certain similarity? Even though there's obviously you want you want variety as an artist, but what do you look for in a successful, or what do you find that comes from a, a, a fruitful songwriter collaboration? I like it when it's over by lunchtime and you can go out and have a sandwich. But no, it's it's interesting because in Nashville there's this there's this workmanlike um, approach to songwriting, and I grew up being of the bolt of lightning theory that you know I'll just keep playing my guitar until something happens, you know, or I'll be driving down the road and something will pop into my head and I'll write it down, pull over that side of the road and write down what I just uh, I just thought of as a lyric or a melody or something, but. It's different with every collaborator, uh, and even every song with that collaborator can be different. The very first song uh, on the record, I Think of You, was written with Sharon Vaughn. I wrote it with Sharon uh, uh, at our kitchen table, um, and it was a date to write. We just, you know, she's a Hall of Fame songwriter and, and written a ton of hits, especially country hits, but also some, some pop hits. And, and, um, I had this melody and she came up with a lyric for it and it was over by lunchtime. It was really, it was really easy and it's a really strong song. And, and um, you know, with, with, with me and John Paul, we sometimes have an idea that uh, is the kernel of it and we sit down together and hash it out. And usually it's both of us writing lyrics and both of us writing music. Uh, so, um, and with Johanna, you know, she has given me uh, lyrics, for instance, for Still the One or uh, what she handed me on the back of an envelope, complete lyric for Still the One. Hmm. A friend of hers, of ours, actually, from when we lived in the, in the Lower East Side when we first were living together in New York, um, had was going through a divorce from her husband, and, and she said, there's so many songs about people breaking up on the radio. Can you please write a song about people staying together? And so... Johanna wrote that lyric and handed it to me on an envelope, and I wrote I wrote the music in about fifteen minutes to it. Hmm. It's just so sometimes it's quick like that. Dance with me was 
I had a melody on the guitar and I was sitting in the living room just playing guitar on a Sunday morning or something and and I started playing this open D uh, progression and uh, she called from the kitchen where she was making coffee I think sounds like dance with me and I said can we come up with something a little more original? <laughs> she said, I really think it sounds like, and of course she was right. And uh, uh, the critic in me came out, but, uh, and that song took two months to finish. And on the way driving back to Woodstock from a gig in Ithaca, New York, we uh, were in the car, me driving, we're in the passenger's, passenger seat. And she went, pick the beat up and kick your feet up. And I was like, yeah, that's it. And she wrote on the back of that proverbial envelope the rest of the lyrics. So wow, um, there's all different ways it can happen. And I think the best thing is not to not to be said in any one way. I also noticed um, the the songwriting across the album. Listening to the preview tracks, um, that I like how there's the occasional syncopation, like the ba ba in uh, in alone too long. That stood out to me. There's a, there's a couple other techniques i think it was in i think of you i want to say where it's like the the melody the structure under the lyrics it's consist it's the same but it feels like it's building and building and building it's like a real subtle approach and there's a couple others that i would hear here and there um who usually tends to be responsible for putting in extra parts beyond the the basic core of the song do you ever find yourself or another songwriter going hey let's try a little something here let's try a little something there how does that come about well with this record it was me coming up with it i uh uh i just like to vary things and to have surprises i i've always liked records that had surprise endings or surprise bridges or uh, or a modulation a key change that's a surprise and and same with these accents and 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 uh, you know it's uh, what I think of you I think the melody and the way it builds it sort of seems like a variation on the same thing but it moves up to a higher uh, um, higher inversion of it and and uh, or a different chord. I grew up playing classical piano and and French horn before I ever played guitar. I was a, a French horn player and so I I am I dad listened to classical music a lot. So I, I had some of those ideas of themes and variations that came from classical and uh, and that sort of melodic sense. Um, it also, I think, is derivative of, of Broadway show tunes. The, the writers like, you know, Sondheim or, or Lerner and Lowe or Rogers Hammer, Hammerstein, who wrote all those fabulous um, Broadway show tunes, all did things like that. And uh, so I, and I'm a sponge, you know, I, everything that goes in, I listen to a lot of music, different kinds of music and, and probably write things that come from something I heard. Uh, I've heard people say it all started with Chuck Berry, as far as rock and roll goes. And I think that, you know, everything that we writers and musicians do is influenced by what came before. Um, the, I ask this of artists that have new albums, and I know all the songs are your babies, but is there one that you really, I don't know if it, pride is the right word, but one you really want to play for people who are like, hey, this song, okay, if you're going to listen to one song in the album, listen to this, this means a lot to me. Is there anyone or a couple for which that applies? Well, I, I like some of them uh, more than others. Uh, I like them all. They wouldn't be on the record, but... But alone too long, you know, one of the reasons it's the first single is that I think it's uh, 
it's not only something that I'm proud of, but there's something that a lot of people are identifying with and uh, now. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's that's out there. Um, I like them all for different reasons. Uh, Mystic Blue is amazing uh, in the sense that it's it came about so organically and it was I was kind of a midwife to that song. John Paul Daniel was the guy who had lived lived it at that point, and he um, he just while we were writing, he had the idea for the melody of the chorus and sort of the bass part and the feel of the of the tune, and um, and I just was pulling it out of him, going like, "Well, tell me about her." His his wife Betty Blair, uh, who I knew, but I didn't know the details that are in the song about where she was born and how they got together and how, you know, some of the things, which makes it real, you know, with any song, you put in details that come actually out of real life. It makes it uh, more real, even if other people don't know who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can hear the train. I can hear it. It's kind of cool, actually. Train coming <laughs> around the bend. So on, on Mystic Blue, uh, Dan Dugmore played steel guitar on that, and he just did a fabulous job. Everybody who's listening, I'm sure has heard Dan Dugmore without realizing it, maybe because he played uh, the iconic steel guitar part and solo on Blue Bayou, Linda Ronstadt's version mm-hmm. of Blue Bayou. And he played uh, all over the Casey Musgraves Golden Hour CD or re- album. It was mm-hmm. uh, uh, a number one award winning, you know, Grammy winning album a couple of years ago. And, and, and a lot of stuff in between. He's just one of the legends of steel guitar playing and i'm very fortunate to be able to work with with people like him and and the other players on this record and john cowan who sang uh harmony and andrea zahn who sings harmony with me also on it uh uh andreas sings with james taylor and has sung you know on the road with uh, with vince gill and lyle lovett and as a fabulous fiddle player too although she didn't play fiddle on this record uh and john cowan uh was in the band newgrass revival uh, what they called a pro- progressive bluegrass band that featured uh, Bela Fleck, banjo wizard that, you know, maybe the most exciting banjo player in the world for a lot of people would say. And uh, and uh, Sam Bush, who's equally a star in the bluegrass world himself, uh, playing mandolin and Pat Flynn on guitar. Those guys are all pretty legendary players. And for me to be able to have, and Sean Paddock and John Paul's, I played with a lot of other people. I'd, um, I'm just blessed, uh, among other ways, I'm blessed in being able to uh, to have all these folks on my record. Well, it's a good record, and everyone in the public will be able to hear it really soon. Uh, from what I've heard, I listened through the, the album a couple times over to get a good feel for it. And uh, yeah, it's a good album, and anyone who listens to it beginning on May 28th and beyond will enjoy it as well. Reclaiming My Time, John Hall and... Also looking forward to the New Orleans music later this year and then the full project coming, the Christmas music later this year and the, and the full project coming yeah. next year. It's good to hear you still doing music after all this time. It's great to, great that it's still out there. Thanks for taking some time to chat Thank about you, the Luke. album and all the best going forward. And we're looking forward to you more going down the road. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks for having me on. Great chat there with John Hall. Uh, Yes, definitely listen to the album Reclaiming My Time. May 28th is its release date. And again, there, yeah, like I said, there's plenty more to come from Orleans. There's there's a lot going on with with John Hall right now. If you want to keep up as stuff happens, he's on social media. 
Uh, he's also got a website, and you can get to the social media via his website, johnhallmusic.com. johnhallmusic.com. At the bottom of the page, you can find Facebook and Instagram links and follow him there. So you'll get a whole lot of updates what's going on there. And then, of course, uh, via Orleans as well, you can find out what the band's up to. And again, there's going to be more coming from them, as I mentioned, coming down the road. This has been the latest edition of Got Time for a Quick Story. Thanks, as always, to Greatest Hits 98.1 Radio in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, for helping to, for, for providing the facilities to do a lot of these interviews. You can watch and listen to a lot of these interviews at greatesthits981.com. Uh, just look under the, look at the, the interviews page, which is right under features at the top of the website. You'll find a link to go there to our interviews page. You can also go to our YouTube channel. That's where we have um, a whole lot of our interviews as well. You can watch some of our interviews. Like this one was done via Zoom, so you can watch the video version on our YouTube channel. Um, thanks to Ann Layden for helping to set this up as well. Good to, to always work with her. And by the way, for this podcast, if you want to listen to this podcast, you can subscribe to it. A lot of the usual platforms. You can also um, you can also subscribe to it so you know about the latest episodes, and of course, uh, rate it if you can. Spread the word around a little bit more. Got time for a quick story. I'm Luke Anthony.